so we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC, but we're really moving into more sometimes college. Uh, this week, we give you the best of the Kaepernick full storyline and new developments in that story. Uh, the fight on Thursday night's game for the NFL against the Steelers and the Browns, uh, a lot happened there. Um, as we discussed last week, Tua, there's new developments in his injuries, and we have Penny Hardaway and his recruit, James Wiseman, uh, going into a little bit of the NBA and the best of the NFL. Before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And also press subscribe on our podcast. And also follow us on our other platforms, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, pass the word also. Um, but we move into the most interesting story, of course, the Kaepernick story. Uh, it has been a short timeline between how when the story has begun. Well, not really short, but kind of short on this new episode or this new season of the Kaepernick stories. Uh, well, it begins with Tuesday evening where Kaepernick is approached or called about having a mock tryout for the NFL. Uh, this is actually unusual in which they are uh, lining things up. Uh, for Kaepernick as they have they are saying that he needs to come in on a Saturday uh, for a mock draft for all the NFL teams that will appear there in Atlanta. He is living in Manhattan. Uh, but that's beside the story. Um, now, uh, with that proposal, he asked, hey, maybe can I have another week? The NFL says no. He's like, OK, OK, OK. Well, can I get a list of the teams that'll be there? They'd be like, they were like, you don't need to know all that. So then it kind of easily rolled into a lot of people feeling different sides on who's doing what in this situation or whether the NFL is really trying to give Kaepernick a shot. Well, this plays out as only a short amount of time. He had two hours to agree or disagree. Sorry, this to confirm or non-confirm whether he's going to do this mock draft for the NFL as he does confirm. Now, shortly before the setup for him to go there in Atlanta at 3 p.m., the NFL presents him with a liability waiver. One big thing in that liability waiver is that he can no longer sue the NFL for anything. That is, it seems like a small part, but uh, when you're looking over a large, uh, maybe not so large, but large contract, but that is a big thing. So that affected uh, Kaepernick's camp, where shortly, literally an hour and a half before they're supposed, to, he's supposed to appear in Atlanta and at the Falcon Stadium for these NFL teams, the 25 NFL teams that supposedly showed up, because I'm, I'm just going to say, well, because we don't fully know. Then he says through Twitter that he is going to have his workout at another location because he's not going to agree to the same terms. And because the NFL says they will not allow the media to actually be there. Well, 
Once that happened, he he performs his workout on a high school field and has the media actually be there. And eight teams actually came out to see see him, which are the 49ers, the Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Redskins, the Titans, Detroit Lions and the Jets. Now, uh, after that, he had a spirited speech saying that now he's proven himself and now it's on the NFL, but it lends everybody to many different sides on this one, uh, especially due to the abrupt change he performed when the NFL proposed one way of doing it. So what do you feel is really going on for both sides, the NFL and Kaepernick? Okay, I'm going to start with the NFL side. The NFL, let's just go ahead and say they blackballed him. He tried to stand up for something that he believed in, and they cast him away from playing in the NFL. They they didn't give him the chance to play in the NFL, even when he had the talent to play in the NFL. And this is this was the NFL just trying to make up for that so they could look good in the people's eyes. And I think Jay-Z was a big part of Kaepernick getting this workout because this is completely random. And Jay-Z, he, he seems like he's going to be a positive note when it comes to the NFL. And then on Kaepernick's side, I can see his point. Um, he, he doesn't trust the NFL. He wants them to play by his rules. But you're playing in their league, so you got to play by their rules. And I think he was com- really completely wrong by changing the spot and trying to control the narrative in a way. Uh, Both sides were trying to control the narrative. Both sides came out badly um, at the end of this. And Kaepernick, unfortunately, I don't think he's ever going to play in the NFL again. Um, And also Kaepernick, this is like a job interview. Like people, a lot of people were saying Uh, you need to play by their rules first, then you can work your way around and, I guess, preach about the things that you want to see changed and how the NFL can help you. But at, that that's not the right time to do it. I really like what he's trying to stand up for, but if you really want to play in the NFL, you have to play by their rules so you can play under their circumstances. Because it's not like you're setting your own rules. Uh, agreed. I'm on many uh, different parts of that. Now, uh, from just from what I could see from the full story, because um, just uh, repeating the question, what do I feel is really going on between on both sides of the NFL and with the cap? I think the NFL really just wanted to quiet the story. And yes, uh, cause you're getting ahead of uh, me on the Jay Z thing, uh, because it had, it had been confirmed that he had a big, uh, part in this tryout because so you're you're definitely right on that i'm uh, we're going to actually ask a question on that but i think this was really about mending the relationship with uh jay-z and the nfl uh it's it's reported that the uh, that jay-z came to the nfl and said he took such a uh a hit to his character uh that or a, I'm not sure whether it was a social hit, a character hit, we're just a character hit, uh, that they at least owed this 
to him, uh, to him to do this for him. Uh, so on both sides, I really just think just to kind of get bring it back in. I think the NFL really was just giving him a, a empty chance. And cap cap side is he's doing too much. He's just doing way too much. He's trying to continue a story, and I, I, I'm i not sure what's good about it and what's not good about it because the true issue is is seriously on the back burner on, in all of this and why he did it and what, what he did. And I understand, yes, he definitely got blackballed, but I honestly think both sides are becoming the losers. Yeah, I don't have to agree, like, but both sides lost in this situation, but they, they're not going to come together and agree on anything. Um, Colin Kaepernick, he was saying that I've been waiting for three years. I've been ready. Um, he's calling out Roger Goodell and all the owners in the NFL, but the, you're trying to play in their league, not your own. So you need to play by their rules going into it and gradually change things. As you get further along in the league, don't do it right before trying to do a a workout for them. I mean, this isn't about making a statement. This is about you playing the NFL. That's what they were going there for. Yeah, and and I completely uh, agree with this. I think Cap seriously messed up. He gave he gift wrapped the NFL a win. Because I can't even be against the NFL in this situation. Why do you show up to a job interview? Because this is what this is for Cap, a job interview with a Kunta Kente, Kente, sorry, with a Kunta Kente shirt. Like, who, who, who does things like that? Like, who sues their employer and then asks for a job back? Well, he didn't really ask for it, right? He, well, actually, he's what? always been asking for it back. But ask for it back and then shame them at the same time as you in, that you're interviewing for. Yeah. No employer wants somebody that's going to eventually try to bring them down. You want an employer. They, they want you to be somebody that can bring up their company, not bring it down. And I, and I, and maybe, maybe there was some possible, like the only way I think, that the NFL is honest in any way about actually giving Cap a, a shot on that Saturday. Cause we never know at this point, Cap ruined that. Uh, but, and, and I can possibly see why he didn't do it because of the, he can't sue them ever again type thing. I understand that, but I, I, I really think he messed it up here. He, he gift wrapped them this win Cap He really messed up and he still got eight teams to show up for him. He still got eight teams to show up for him and then wants to walk outside to the media and profess his greatness. And I'm sorry, but he's really never been that great of a player. Like he's he had one great season. Outside of that, what are we really like begging to see on the field? That's that's not true. He he had more than one good season. Great he, season? I'm talking about great. I am not talking about good. I'm talking about great. Well, still, that's that's still good enough. Ka- Kaepernick, he was really good um, in the league at the time, but his his last couple of years were hurt by injury. He had a, a really bad shoulder injury, but before that, he he was very good. He beat Aaron Rodgers at Aaron Rodgers' house in the playoffs. 
ran all over them. I, I think he ran for like over 200 yards. Well, just killed the Packers. Maybe and, I'm... Yeah, go ahead. And he beat uh, Cam Newton at Cam Newton when they were like a number two seed. So Colin Kaepernick, he had multiple crucial wins. Like, it, he wasn't just some scrub or anything or one-hit oh, no, wonder. No, no, no. I don't think he's a scrub. I was talking about uh, being a, a different type of icon. Like, I understand – I actually have to agree with a lot of these announcers who say that he wants to control the narrative because he completely wants to control the narrative in this situation. It showed when he professed his I'm I'm more than great out here to the NFL. Now come get me. But like, you know, does he understand he is above 30? He hasn't been in the league for three years and what, what they don't even like you <laughs> that's that's true they m- most of them are just looking for a reason to turn away then they're, they're not trying to hire you like they they're looking for that one reason why should i get you on my team and i i think he could prove that with his talent but he's just too far too too deep into the uh, People say he's deep being into a martyr. Legend. Yeah, martyr. martyr <laughs> he's, in, he's too deep in the legend. He, he. Yeah, yeah. He, pe- people are saying that he's too far into. Well, no, I, I'm saying that he's too far into that, and it, that's just going to be his legacy, not him yeah. being an NFL player. Agreed. And he he can't honestly he can't afford to go out there and suck. But the best way the story can go is he go out there and ball. Or he can just keep being a martyr and not play and leave off live off that NFL legacy that he had beforehand. But we kind of, he showed a little bit of his colors when we saw him the other night. Like maybe the camera was pointed a little wrong. Maybe we just got the wrong perception. We weren't there. It's more to be said. I, I'm not discounting him because I don't know what he's really doing for social justice. I honestly don't know. Uh, I know he donated some money at one point, like might be maybe three million dollars, which is not nothing to shrug your shoulders at, but that can possibly be a tax write-off. Um, but <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm being very, very real. <laughs> but um, it, it's 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 still the story is still playing out, and I know the that ESPN and the announcers are actually closing the book on this because they there's no lingering of we expect you to possibly get a chance at some point. He's not aged out of that range. Yeah, he he messed it up. Like, just just play by their rules for now. Just, why couldn't you do that? Just play by their rules. But, you know, he, he didn't want to do that. Yeah, so moving in along, because we've actually stated the obvious about Jay-Z's relationship with the NFL. How do you think this affects the relationship between Jay-Z and the NFL, seeing that Jay-Z had a big part in getting this mock tryout for Kaepernick? Really, I, I don't think this really hurts his relationship with the NFL. They, they're still going to employ him. And I, I think they're still going to listen to him when it comes to things like this. Um We've already seen what Kaepernick wanted to do beforehand. We were just trying to see if he would just be about football when it came to the workout. But I don't see this being any, I don't see this being negative 
in the relationship between Jay-Z and the NFL. I, I, I really see this as a positive because he was able to persuade them to give Kaepernick a random workout when nobody else would get this opportunity. I I hear you because it's a win for the NFL, but how it affects the relationship between the NFL and Jay-Z, I think the NFL just got an upper hand on Jay-Z now. Like where he was doing them a favor, giving them a black card, uh, I see now it's like they have the upper hand because I, I, I think this really more affects the relationship between Jay-Z and Kaepernick. He embarrassed uh, Jay-Z by not showing up. Not by not being there for those things. And it may be a catch to this. Maybe we'll find out that that contract was something he definitely should not have signed. But from what they're also saying, this is a normal, regular contract uh, that people sign when they go to try out. Yeah, they they, I mean, that's what we hear. But I mean, there's still news to come out. But um, we I mean, you were saying that it it could affect the relationship between Jay-Z and Kaepernick. And I, I do think that it, that definitely does affect their relationship, but their relationship was already bad earlier in the season. Whenever Jay-Z came out with those words, we're done kneeling. Um, it's, it's about action and all of that stuff. So I, I think their relationship had already soured beforehand. Yeah. Uh, so out of the, just to move it on, um, out of the teams that appeared at Kaepernick's workout, which ones do you think had a true interest in signing him? And I'll name the teams again, the 49ers, the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington Redskins, the Titans, the Detroit Lions, and the Jets. I think a good amount of those teams actually could use him. Um, you see the way the league is going now where we have a lot of black quarterbacks that are mobile and they are leading the league in just about everything right now and starring. So I, I would say a, a lot of those teams, including especially the Titans, um, the Titans aren't sold on either one of their quarterbacks. Uh, Marcus Mariota, he's been benched. He was their number one overall draft pick at some point. And Ryan Tannehill, he's just a cast off and he's not going to last that long. So I, I legitimately see that for the Titans and also uh, the Jets. I, I don't think they're completely sold on Sam Darnold. Um, he's been t- very bad in some games. Uh, what was one of the other teams? Um, uh, there's the uh, 49ers, Bills, Chiefs. Uh, the Eagles, the Redskins, that's probably the one you're probably looking for. Redskins, Detroit Lions, and the Jets. Well, the Bills, too. I mean, I wouldn't say, uh, what's his name, Josh Allen is that great. They're um, doing pretty well. Uh, led by their defense. But um, <laughs> I, I would say at least half of those teams that showed up to his actual workout were actually interested. The Chiefs, maybe, but uh, unless they really see – uh, Patrick Mahomes being uh, injury prone, I, I don't see why they were out there. Yeah, uh, I, I have to agree uh, about half. Um, I would say the Redskins have real interest because they have no trust in the quarterbacks they have. Tennessee has no idea who they want to start. Um, that's a revolving chair, and when it should be one person, Mariota. 
Um, the Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford is hurt, so I could see them doing that, especially with it being a black city, uh, being in Detroit. Um, you have the Jets, uh, maybe, maybe they were had some real interest, but uh, only other team I could see having true interest is the, it may be even Philly. I didn't think about it, but, you know, Carson Wentz is possibly, well, he's seen as injury prone because he had one major injury. He did have one major injury, but it's been a, a long-standing nagging thing that just keeps coming up. Like he keeps missing games. He missed games just last year after coming back from that ACL injury. So he's Mr. Glass. And also the, the 49ers said they just might be open to bringing him back. I, I think really their head coach, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. Oh, Kyle Shanahan. He's a very good offensive play caller. And if Kaepernick had that um, play caller while he was still playing, he'd be way better than Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo is mediocre. Like, I I don't think he is the quarterback of the future for them. Yeah. And um, just to reel it back in, um, when it comes to Cap in the NFL, uh, what would be the best outcome for both sides since there has been so much confusion? For both sides, I, I say they go separate ways. Um, just end the story right there. Don't don't mix anything at all ever again. Um, Kaepernick, he can go and be a martyr and stand up for social justice. And the NFL can go about their business and keep uh, doing business as usual. I don't I don't think these sides should mix anymore. Yeah, I actually agree here completely. Like, I think the best outcome is for them to stay separate. I the best, best outcome is because the NFL came out looking pretty good with this because Kaepernick's last move was bad. Well, perceived bad because of the try to pull for power. Nobody feels he has that amount of power he should be trying to wield. Uh, but I, the best thing is that the NFL say, hey, we gave him a shot. He didn't even show up. We have a reason to dislike him. <laughs> and it's best that Cap stay away and be like, he hate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would have to agree. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> we'll wrap it in on that one. I'm pretty sure there's more to this story, or maybe this is the end of the cap story, and maybe he does it more on the social justice end. Um, but we're moving to the Thursday night game where a whole lot happened in the last 15 seconds of this game. Uh, the the rest of the game not so interesting. The Browns were winning 21 to seven over the Steelers at this point, and literally only 15 seconds left in this game. Well, the quarterback, Mason Rudolph, for the Steelers, uh, goes about his last two plays of the game, and there's a conflict that happens with Miles Garrett, the defensive tackle uh, for the Browns. Well, out of nowhere, as Miles Garrett is tackling Mason Rudolph on this somewhat to be in the last play, uh, Mason Rudolph kind of felt that he got hit late. So he starts to pull at the back of Miles Garrett's helmet. Miles Garrett is like, 
oh no, are you serious? Are you really trying to pull off my helmet? As you can kind of see, he's uh, he, he was probably thinking that and starts to grab at Mason Rudolph, the quarterback's helmet. Now, the first part really hasn't seen by the crowds and the cameras as much. So your first image is really Miles Garrett ripping off the helmet of Mason Rudolph. Well, as two offensive linemen push Miles Garrett back as he is ripped off their quarterback's helmet, well, Mason Rudolph runs towards Miles Garrett as though he wants to fight him for pulling off his helmet, even though he has started this fight. Well, Miles Garrett swings with that same hand that he has that um, has Mason Rudolph's helmet in and hits him square in the crown of his head. The world is almost outraged immediately. Well, at least the people once you wake up and hit see what happened. But what happened is he hit him in the crown of the head and the office alignment, they lose it. They start punching, uh, grabbing, tackling uh, Miles Garrett and start literally kicking him in his head, in his helmet. Uh, as a somewhat of a melee starts to, uh, to happen. Now, defensive tackle, Larry, Larry uh, Gunjobi pushes Mason Rudolph in the back as He's seen this from the uh, sidelines. He plays for the Browns and pushing a Steelers uh, quarterback. But after everything goes down and everybody wakes up and everybody's outraged across America, tuning into ESPN to see this fight that has went down and pretty much overshadowed some other big news with Mello. um, Well, what shakes out is Miles Garrett is – the defensive tackle who hit the guy, the quarterback in the head with the with the helmet, he gets suspended indefinitely, which means the entire season going even into the playoffs. Uh, now, the defensive tackle who pushed Mason Rudolph, Larry Gunjobi, he gets suspended one game as the center for the Steelers who was kicking uh, Miles Garrett in the head, Marquise Pouncey, gets three games suspension. But Mason Rudolph, the quarterback and the instigator, gets zero games. So a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, uh, point of views have came out there, have been harshly on both ends. Do you think the NFL got the punishment right? And whose side are you on? I think the NFL got it mostly right. I, I think Mason Rudolph, he deserves a couple of games. At least a couple of games for that performance because he was absolutely garbage. But uh, Miles Garrett, deservedly so, he got the right amount of games, I think. I mean, we we actually don't know how many games he has, but it's until further notice. And I think the rest of the season, that that's justified because you, you can't just get somebody's helmet and hit them with it. Uh, I mean, I have no problem. Well, I have to do a little, a, a little problem that he just yanked it yanked it off but that's fine but don't go and drop the hammer on his head i mean he <laughs> yeah molly wop yeah <laughs> molly wop <laughs> um, put the uh the hammer straight down on his head but um wow the the nfl really it's it's hard to say with this i think the only thing that they didn't get right was mason rudolph 
because this mm. is actually a, a, a really good win for the NFL. They acted quickly and took care of business because usually they have a terrible public eye. Like in, in the eyes of the public, they have a terrible look. Uh, but in this situation, they act they acted swiftly and fast and just completely suspended all the players except the quarterback who instigated it. He he should definitely be suspended at least a couple of games because the way he acted wasn't wasn't right at all. He tried to grab at Miles Garrett's helmet first. Now was the the hit kind of unnecessary? Yes, Miles Garrett. I mean, of course you want to play until the game's over, but it was literally over. It was the last play. There's no need to do that. But um, I, I think the only person. The only thing that's wrong with this was Mason Rudolph not getting any games. I can completely agree on a lot of those things. Um, I'll go even into more detail. Uh, now, when, when it comes to the punishments, I think the NFL got it right. Like, they had to. Just because of the optics, Miles Garrett had to be suspended indefinitely, which should kind of just at least put it out there long enough for people to possibly forget about it uh, to where he could possibly come back next season and this wouldn't be a big story. But um, Mason Rudolph definitely deserved games at minimum one game, at a absolute minimum one game. I know people feel sorry for him because he got smacked upside the head, but he came for that smoke and he got blazing fire. That was, uh, he got all the smoke. Uh, if, and if you don't know what that means, he came to fight and he lost the fight horribly. He didn't know he uh, did his opponent was playing by different rules. That was what happened in this situation. Uh, so Miles Rudolph instigated this. So I definitely am on Miles Garrett's side. I actually am. I feel sorry for him. I'm not completely on his side. Like I, like actually, I'm on his side because he even said it was out of character. He lost control. So I'm on his side on even his statement about what he did. Uh, now him being suspended indefinitely, uh, it's pretty much right. Um, but Mason Rudolph, I, I, I want to focus in on the NFL on this one, because if they are really about player safety, how do you get less games for kicking somebody, repeatedly kicking somebody in the head when, uh, when it, it was something that affected the other thing, but he also got, um, provoked into ripping the guy's helmet off he also got provoked into swinging on him all because the quarterback kept coming after him yeah he he did get provoked into it and the quarterback should take some blame for this um the nfl i, I think that's the only thing that they get didn't get right and i do feel sorry for miles garrett he's a, a very great player like this this guy is a monster in the trenches he's he's very good um and this will affect the Browns going forward. They are a very talented team, but um, they just had that little bit of chance to still make the playoffs. I mean, they still do have a chance, but it's not really likely. Um, but this this puts a, a huge damper in that with Miles Garrett being suspended. And I, I just do feel really sorry for him, even though he dropped the hammer straight down on his head. Uh, but Mason Rudolph deserves to be suspended for at least two to three games. Yeah, I agree. 
So with media members and some fans in uproar about never seeing a fight like this in football and are seeing that Miles Garrett should be charged for assault, do you feel that there is a bias on football versus other sports like hockey, baseball, where fights are a part of the game? Yeah, I think it is a bias, mainly because those are put to the forefront when it comes to sports. Um, the NFL has a lot of attention on it. A lot of people watch it. It gets national news all the time. Baseball and hockey, I mean, they, they are popular sports, but they don't get as much attention from the public. And that's why for the NFL, just this one instance gets blown way out of proportion. I mean, it it was a big event. We don't usually see this type of thing, but I, I think people just blew it way out of proportion. Like, oh, I've never seen anything like this. But yet there's multiple fights that happen in hockey, just about every single game. Dudes just ripping off helmets and punching and all that stuff. So let's let's calm it down. Completely agree, because there is a bias. Uh, hey, there's no uh, easier way to say it. There is a bias. Um, you can literally leave the dugouts in a very calm game, because baseball is not a high-impact, adrenaline-filled game, not by any measure. Controlled people who aren't really adrenaline-packed at this point are running from the... Um, the dugouts to fight each other. And I understand when you just got a ball thrown at you, but there's no problem. It's not even seen as any type of news if they fought or if they threw a baseball into the person's head or if somebody pretty much tried to hit them with a bat. Like, it's, it's, it doesn't make that much news. In hockey, I literally saw two days ago they have a full melee of people fighting each other, literally a couple of days after the other fight. But yeah, it, so there's yeah. there's a complete bias. Definitely, like highly complete bias because these these fights happen all the time in these other sports. That they don't are, even get suspended. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because it happens all the time. It's like accepted. hockey. You just sit in the box. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, there's people only want to criticize what they want to criticize, but. There's other things where it happens all the time. True. So do you, since Miles Garrett is going to appeal his suspension, do you think he will will win in this appealing of that suspension? No, I don't think he's going to win in this. Uh, there's really nothing defending his, his, um, his argument. He could say that, yeah, Mason Rudolph started it, but it it there's really nothing that can defend that. He has nothing to stand on. He should just accept this, and hopefully it doesn't bleed into next season. That's all he can hope for. Sure, uh, I can I can I hear you, but because of the bylaws of the NFL and because there's no finite number on his suspension, he's probably going to win, especially after you really break down the video. After you really put the truth in front of these people's eyes when you appeal something. Now, the NFL looks good right now. But when they overturn this and he gets snuck back in, if they make the playoffs, like, because I think at minimum he gets six games, and he should. 
he should get six games for this. But six games, but he can actually play in the playoffs if they're there. I think that's their best scenario because it might be a situation where he really doesn't reach the field again this year. But I think he actually does win it because when you break it down that um, that what's his name the quarterback uh, the Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, yeah, Mason Rudolph. When you break down that Mason Rudolph was completely the instigator and did it twice, he tried to pull off his helmet, and that that's the only reason why Miles Garrett pulled his helmet off. And then once again, the only reason why he swung with him, because it would have been over if dude, uh, if Mason Rudolph didn't bum rush him like he was big and bad. Yeah, I, I don't see Mason Rudolph trying to bum rush him without his two offensive linemen being right there. Like, yeah, <laughs> does I think he seriously want to get, yeah, like does he, he seriously want to go against a 270 pound full muscle defensive tackle? I mean, he just looks like a weakling compared to him and he would have got stomped if he would have went against him. And he's on a the fool. Streets. He's a fool. Who, who runs at somebody with no helmet on? <laughs> Yeah, he he clearly wasn't thinking. I, I'm guessing that he got hit in the head before that. Yeah. But um, Mason Rudolph, he should really thank Miles Garrett because he's going to get some extra money for this. And Mason Rudolph is a terrible quarterback that will not get any other attention from any other team going forward from here. Because I, I would say that his career is basically over because he, he is garbage. He is Awful. Yeah, I I can agree, and he's just not making the best choices. Uh, we're we're moving on to college. Uh, as we talked about, Tua Tongaloa, who plays, who's the starting quarterback for Alabama. Uh, he's a pretty uh, under. Well, he's a star at this point when it comes to college. But as we discussed last week, uh, with Alabama's loss to LSU. We brought up whether Tua should play another game for Alabama, seeing he is still hurt. Well, in Saturday's blowout game against Mississippi State in the second quarter, Tua goes down again after a hit by two Mississippi State, yeah, Mississippi State players. Um, after examination, it shows Tua dislocated his hip and will not play again this season for Alabama and will probably be his last time playing for the school going forward as he has eyes towards the NFL and being the top pick, one of the top picks in the 2020 NFL draft. So with the draft approaching closer and closer after the string of injuries, how do you think the NFL teams now view Tua? They view him as an injury-prone player at this point, mainly because you see that he's had multiple injuries over the past two seasons that have kept him out for many games, and this has been the biggest injury yet. And this isn't really a common injury that you see with a dislocated hip where he had to have surgery. And I don't think enough people are paying attention to Nick Saban and his decision to keep two were out there to play. They were up by like 28 points at that point. This team is not good, Mississippi State. I didn't even think he was going to play that game because he was limping just at the end of the LSU game. So 
it, in my opinion, I would say that that is a fireable offense that you just ruined Tua's career by letting him stay on the field at really at that point in the game. And then you rub it in by saying, oh, we were running a two minute drill and he was going that was going to be his last drive. No, we don't want to hear that. It's a fireable offense. I'm not saying he should be fired, but it, it is a fireable offense. And um, I, I think going forward from here, NFL teams, they were they will be very skeptical of Tua uh, when it comes to the draft. But I, I say he still becomes a first round pick, but it'll be a lot later than projected. OK, yeah. So I think there's no more tanking for Tua. I think that's what's going on in the NFL. Um, shoot, even Miami out here trying to win games. Uh, but <laughs> they were winning before that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were, but uh, you know. Uh, so I think the NFL teams now look at him like a injury-prone quarterback, definitely. But I like. I think you're going a little bit far about a fireball offense simply because of his status. And only because of the status. Like, it's fireable to a regular person, but not what uh, Nick Saban uh, means to the entire state of Alabama, the whole school of Alabama, and many, many different scores of the other people who've just kind of contribute a whole lot to him. Because I think he's also head of the board at uh, Alabama State. Uh, sorry, Alabama. So he has, like, uh, what's the coach from Duke? From Duke? The coach oh, Duke. um, Mike, Coach K. Coach K, yeah. He has, like, Coach K-type power in the college. He got a lot of clout. <laughs> so, That's true, <laughs> was, but, man, you, you just ruined his career, a dislocated hip. That's hey, just terrible. I'm not saying he should be fired, but it's a fireable offense. Coaches ruining careers out here all the time. You know, this is the gritty game. This is college. And this is one reason why I kept saying or kind of proposed that he shouldn't play another game. Now, whether he would, that's the difference. Now he, now Alabama owes him. They owe him to immortalize him. So he, in the end, he's going to get more of a lovable, lovable story when it comes to Alabama and their relationship. But when it comes to uh, like his career in the NFL, I think it's really going to hurt it. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to hurt his career in the NFL. Uh, a hip injury that doesn't happen too often, and that plays a big part in just throwing the ball, having that platform to stand on and drive your throws forward. And this, th this is why I say this is a fireable offense for Nick Saban because you have potentially ruined a great quarterback's career by leaving him in there to play that game. He shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been in that game in the first place. They could have taken care of Mississippi state with no problem. Yeah, definitely agree. So this is probably a little more obvious uh, and quicker answer you can have, but is Tua still a top five pick in the 2020 NFL draft? Yeah, I would say he's a top five pick um, mainly because those teams that are that will be picking in the top five, they're going to be trash anyway. So it's good that he sits back for a year and recuperate and learn how to play um, in the in the NFL, learn the playbook, learn how the team runs, and get to know everybody. So they they're going to be building around him anyway. So there will be 
trash again, whatever team picks him, if they are a top five team. So I say, yeah, he's still a top five pick. Okay. So you get Kevin Durant status. Even when you're hurt, you're going to get the big, big, uh, big check. Not in this case, the, exactly the big check, but you'll get one of the top picks. Um, well, I, I, I'm not sure because it depends on, he's pretty much in a situation where he's going to be gold or fool's gold. So somebody's going to think, oh my God, he's under the radar. Like nobody's really going to pick him because it just, his, his injuries are a bit much. And maybe he's not fully healthy by that point. Cause that, that's very, could possibly be a very real option, which then drops him in the, uh, the draft. If he's fool's gold, he's going to mess up a, uh, a franchise. And he, he did have to give too much to Alabama. Now, if he's gold, he can be really gold, but this NFL is just different. And I don't think he stacks up to the best quarterbacks in the league now. Yeah, it's hard to say for any quarterback coming out of college if they stack up to the league right now. But I say, I mean, even in theory, I mean, even in theory, because Lamar Jackson, in theory, it it sounded like it worked, but it was like, ah, we got to see when you get in in the NFL. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, a lot of people said he he wouldn't work in the NFL, but we see that he does if you surround him with the right pieces with the the running game and all that stuff. But I I think Tua can succeed if he's giving the right tools, just like all these other quarterbacks coming out of college and the time to recover from his injury. Yeah. So so just drawing it back towards Alabama. Does Alabama have a hope of making the college playoffs with the injury to Tua and only having four teams that make it in the college playoffs? I would say maybe. Um, Thinking early on, I thought that they didn't have a chance. But when I look and see who's ahead of them, which is Georgia, they, they would have to play in the SEC championship game. And I would say most likely lose to LSU and put Alabama in that uh, fourth spot because I don't see any other team jumping over them to get into that spot. But also, on the other hand, the big loss of Tua, the committee is going to take that into consideration. So I I would say no on that side. So it's really I I don't know. I I really don't know because I don't see any teams jumping over them for Alabama, but the loss of Tua is just so big, the committee just might leave them out. Like, maybe it's just because I was hearing it from you, but it sounds like this whole thing is rigged. Why are we relying on a committee to decide things that are like a numbers type thing? Like, It's like, who's a, their opinion? Like, it's only they say they're in. I don't know why, but that was I know that's odd from the question, but it just seemed really uneven. But since we are playing by those rules, I don't think they make it in. Tua is a big part of what they were. They were saying that they would factor in injuries. Now, they would be factoring in injuries if Tua was coming back so they can throw Alabama in, as they always want Alabama in the playoffs of college because they bring in the dollars, they bring in the money, they bring in viewers. But in this case, I think they're going to have to push them out. 
there's going to be just too many other teams that are going to look better than this team without Tua. Tua does do a lot for this team. He is the perfect system quarterback for Nick Saban. So I think the committee bumps them out of that top four. But what team gets put in that place? I don't see what team gets put in that place. Let's say Georgia loses. It sounds so bad, but maybe Montana. You mean Minnesota? Sorry, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. Sorry about that. Uh, (laughs) That's not happening. But they're undefeated. No, they they lost. They they're uh, we're out here letting in one loss teams. They they lost to Iowa just last week. So, uh, oh, sorry, that's a wrong. That's wrong. Uh, I didn't know. I did not know that. So maybe I thought they were under. uh, I thought they were still undefeated. So I I don't know. More than likely, they are going to fit Alabama in, but they really do have to consider because I have no idea who the backup quarterback is for Alabama. So it depends on how good they look on the upcoming games. He played uh, one game. Uh, his name is Mac Jones, I think. Oh, didn't even know. But <laughs> <laughs> moving on to other college uh, subjects. And this is when it comes to Penny Hardaway and the drama surrounding his former high school player and now Memphis college player, James Wiseman. Now, Thursday, November 14th, Memphis declared James Wiseman ineligible to play for Memphis as he plays basketball for them. Now, before the season started, the NCAA declared the same thing, that James Wiseman was ineligible to play. But guess what? Memphis ignored their commands as James Wiseman played in their first game. Now, Memphis and Penny Hardaway, this is the real issue that the the NCAA has with Penny Hardaway's relationship with James Wiseman and why they declare him ineligible. It's simply because Penny Hardaway paid for his moving expenses to move to Memphis, which at that time, Penny Hardaway was not the head coach of the Memphis uh, college team. Now he is. So it throws them into the window of boosters. So, but so with the NCAA a year away from letting players profit off their image, do you think the NCAA was just in their actions to make Wiseman ineligible? Even though it's a year away, I mean, it sounds bad, but it's the rules. Still under they the, the college athletes are still under that rule of they can't make any money off of their own name they can't have any boosters go and pay for anything I mean it's it's bad to say it's it's so close to happening for uh, college athletes but it it's the rules and the NCAA is definitely gonna follow that rule because they're all about not paying people so I. It's it's bad to say, but they they just had to go by the rules at this point. Well, I think we're ignoring the obvious here. Like, <laughs> how is this okay? How is it okay that, that he's getting punished simply because someone cared to help him move his stuff? 
that's it. That he he didn't pocket any money. He didn't sell anything. He he just moved to school. That's it. He went to school and didn't have enough money to do it. But he is the main product and will be on ESPN all these different times. But he can't even get to the school. That's ridiculous. We can simply look at the human rights problems on that after being the age 18. You should be able to earn or at least be able to maintain within your regular life. But even saying all of that, you're right. (laughs) They still have to go by the rules. It is about a year away. Actually, it's not even a full year away. It's only about a semester away. But it showed that Memphis does what what they want because they still – made him or not made him but let him play in uh actual games even though the ncaa told him he couldn't yeah they don't care um because the rule is going to be amended um as we go along not too far from now but um it, i feel like it's just an unfortunate situation um uh, nobody thought that penny hardaway will be that same coach that gets that same player so it, it was just an unfortunate situation where they had um, where he paid for Wiseman to go to the well to move into where the school is. So I, I, I think we'll all forget about this once players are able to uh, be able to be paid on their name. Yeah, I don't think this is going to make any type of headline. Like, I think it's going to be swept under the rug after it all. But it actually begs a bigger question. Does the NCAA NCAA have the respect of the colleges that they rule over? I would say no. Um, Colleges have really been doing this for a long time and way worse. Um, That this was just this was very minor when it comes to a player being able to be paid in some way. Um, Colleges have been doing this for years um, trying to persuade players to uh, come to their school in many different ways. Like, um, for example, Louisville, I, I think their their basketball team or whatever, the some scouts, they would get the women for the players and all that stuff and, of course, give them money. And it, this is just the history of many colleges trying to coerce um, potential college athletes into going to their school. But they know the real world. They know they need to pay and they need to persuade these players because if they're not, other uh, schools are. So I don't think the NCAA has any respect by these colleges. Just not too long ago, the FBI, the FBI was tuned into tapping these colleges, uh, wire their lines, their phone lines and everything to that. They found out that they were paying people under the table. Did this this stuff came out? And nobody really got fined. Nobody. I think they got some harsh letters. That's about it. But nobody really, nothing really happened to these colleges, even though all this information came out from the FBI. Yeah, they, they don't care. But I I, I know the NCAA is a, I guess, higher education professional institute in a way but why is the fbi getting involved in this i I don't think any money is being lost for the ncaa i 
I mean, I, I, I really don't know. That's that's why I'm trying can, to ask. <laughs> it's because it can go into uh, betting. Okay. It, okay. it all it has to do with money in the end. If okay. if the FBI is involved, it has to do at least at minimum uh, with money. So eh, that's that's why. Uh, that's simply why, yeah, because it was uh, betting, and uh, if you're persuading or you're getting certain money to throw certain games or do certain things or cover certain spreads, uh, that can be uh, things worthy enough for the FBI. Okay, I see. Um, yeah. So, uh, but moving on to the NBA, where there's big news, but kind of got overshadowed by the fight, as I said earlier. Melo is back in the NBA and joining the Portland Trailblazers. Now, it has been long awaiting, about maybe about a year and a half since he's been out of the NBA, and it's been lobbying for a job. So I'll just jump straight into the question. Do you see this move as something that will put Portland over the top, or is this more about treading water? This is definitely about treading water, because... So far, they have been a very disappointing team, uh, like being at the bottom of the West. I, I know the West is very hard. Um, it's very hard to get any wins or consecutively. But the the Portland Trailblazers have been a huge disappointment. Um, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum have already not played defense before. And it's just showing even more. They're not able to score enough, and they give up way too many points. And adding on Carmelo Anthony, he's just going to do the same thing. He's not going to play much of any defense, but he should be some quick offense, a ball-stopping quick offense. But um, I don't see this being that great for the Portland Trail Places. And this is a non-guaranteed contract, so they can just drop him as soon as they want to. So I, I, I don't know... Really, I mean, this is a positive for Carmelo Anthony. He gets a, a halfway decent um, goodbye to the league. But uh, as far as the Portland Trailblazers, this only treads water for them. It, this isn't going to be able to take them over the top. Yeah, I I completely agree. This is just to keep them from sinking because they were in the process of sinking. Uh, Hawaiian Whiteside came from the Miami Heat, he's, he's washed up. He's not what they bought. It's not what they thought they bought uh, when they got from Miami. Uh, so Pat Riley has got, a, got over on a, another great trade for Miami Heat, and the Portland Trailblazers are taking the heat for it. They're, they're, they're suffering. If they sink, they can't float. They're not going to actually make the playoffs. Uh, so this m- may allow them to get in on the A spot where most people has kind of seen them as last these past couple of years, even though they tend to finish in the top three. Uh, they won the division a couple of times in a powerful division, and they've also been number three, but not getting pretty far. But right now it's completely about treading water so they can possibly get in on the AC. Possibly. I mean, that's being generous because they, they look like they're going to be in the bottom for the whole season. Um, they don't even look better than the Thunder. The, the Thunder, they mm-hmm. they lost their two superstars, and they now have Chris Paul, which he is playing good. Um, they, 
the, the Thunder aren't really a great team, but they are above average, and they beat the Portland Trailblazers, along with the Stephen Curryless Warriors. They beat the Trailblazers, so that's how bad it is for the Portland Trailblazers. Yo, the Portland Trailblazers don't look, they look worse than the the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets are actually winning games, and I know nobody's name. I live in the city. Oh, they, they got that dude from um the Celtics. Forgot his name. Yeah, exactly. You forgot his name. He wasn't that important in the Celtics anyway. It, uh, agreed. Uh, it was DeRozan, I think. No, no, not DeRozan. Um, uh, who was it then? It, 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 does it matter? Does it matter? <laughs> not not really. <laughs> so that's what's bad. They look even worse than the no-name Charlotte Hornets, and that's really just speaking from people who live in the city and probably don't know the names of these players. They actually are doing pretty well. Um, but moving well, – or talking about long roads back, Paul George has made his return and kind of been on a tear since he has gotten back to playing form for the Clippers uh, in his first games for the Clippers. So in his first two games back, he scored 70 points total between those two games, scoring 37 versus the Hawks and 33 versus the New Orleans Pelicans in a loss to the Pelicans. Now, Kawhi has been sitting out over and over again in very big uh, games and has not played at the same time as Paul George. Um, even with Kawhi being out against the Hawks, the Clippers scored 150 points on offense. So with the scoring power of Paul George, do you see this Clipper team as unstoppable when Kawhi does return? Really? No, I don't see this team being unstoppable. I, I see this team being very good. It's definitely going to be one of the top three teams in the league, but I don't see it being unstoppable. It's not like they played anybody and they lost to the Pelicans without any of their top players. Um, so I really, my concern is Kawhi Leonard. When is this guy going to play? I, I mean, I did become a tiny bit of a fan of him in the playoffs, but he's, he's losing me. You say you want to be the king of LA, but you're not showing up. You are sitting on the bench just watching everybody else play. I I don't know. I don't know if I'm just tired of Kawhi or, like, I, I don't know what it is. But I, I see this team definitely be, being one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. But they're definitely not unstoppable. I, I can agree. They're not unstoppable. The uh, Some of the best teams right now are the Celtics and the Lakers. And it really looks like the Lakers are – on the, the front runners for if you had to say any team was unstoppable, I would say them, but I wouldn't even put them in the full unstoppable mode. They're just clicking very well early. Um, so I wouldn't say they're unstoppable, but I think there's a better question. And I, I actually want to see your part on this question because I think you're actually a little heated about this, uh, this scenario. Since Kawhi has sat out uh, four games already, do you see this as an advantage for the Clippers? in the long run, or more of a reason to worry? Um, it's, it's really hard to say. I think Kawhi Leonard, he is 
I'm I'm gonna say that it's an advantage for them because he should be fresher when it comes to the playoffs because he's missing so many games. Um, and he said this is the healthiest he's been since he left the Spurs that time. So I, I would say this 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 is a positive thing for them. But if he starts missing games closer to the playoffs then I'll be worried because he should not be missing any games when he's already taken off five, six, seven games at the beginning of the season when there's only been about 12 or 13 games played. So I, I'm i going to say it's a positive thing right now, but if he starts missing games closer to the playoffs or even just not even playing some games in the playoffs, uh, then I'll be worried. Yeah. Uh, I actually disagree. I think this is a reason for worry. I really do. Because he hasn't, he's set out three games, like back to back already. He's already been ruled out of the Houston versus Clippers game. He has not been in a broadcast game at all this year. He is literally running from the spotlight. If well, he, he did not, play against if, Houston the first time. Okay, yeah, yeah, Houston and the Lakers. That Okay, you give those two. But. It's like he's running from the spotlight if there's nothing wrong with him. But I do think there's something wrong with him. So I really don't think it's exactly him running from the spotlight. Uh, I think there's something wrong with him. He had a, a, a broom, a sorry, a thigh bruise on Wednesday and has not played since. Been out three straight games. And why wouldn't you be clamoring to build some type of chemistry with Paul George? Um especially with the Clippers clicking so well. So I do think it's a reason to worry. I think they bought a pretty car with a bad engine. Yeah, you you might be right. Uh, That's why I say if he misses games closer to the playoffs or in the playoffs, then I'll be worried. But for now, he should be fresher when it comes to the playoff time. Um, But, yeah, you, you could definitely be right. He could actually be injured when he's saying that he's not. It's just rest or whatever. But maybe he's just injury prone. He's he's not the Kawhi that we think he is. Okay, so he's actually that great great car, like a great great car, but it has two hundred thousand miles on it. Sorry, three thousand thousand miles on it. There you go. That's that's a more appropriate uh, analogy. He's the great car. He's just as great as you think it is, but you know eventually it's going to break down. Yeah, um, he's going to leave you on the side of the road. He's a Bugatti, but (laughs) he's barely got any gas in him with a broken radiator about to overheat. Yeah, Yeah. he's, I guess, uh, treading water at least enough to fool people. But one thing is, when you were saying earlier that you, you don't know whether you're tired of him or anything like that, uh, you're not exactly sure how you feel about Kawhi. It's probably because you're in your head, and as most people are kind of thinking over time, we're applying him to the LeBron standard. And the LeBron standard is you come in there, you you show you the best. If you're going to be the best, you show you the best. And it's not like he's clamoring to prove anything. That's not the message that he sent at the in that first game. I mean, you come up with that commercial. But it's commercial. the first game. But still, you're trying to send a message. You 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 bring out that commercial. It's Kawhi Town with the little crown or whatever, 
and then you go and beat the Lakers, and then you go go and sit out. Are you just gonna get up to play the Lakers, and that's it? I think he was caught up in the hype. I think this is still adrenaline from the summer and making his move and having control uh, of all of this and people crowning him. I think he was excited about being back in L.A. and he had a great game. Like, I'm not saying he's not great, but I think the biggest worry is how much can he be useful for? Because it's, this is this should be a reason to worry when you just spent so much money on him and you you. De- you really put a big bet on Kawhi. Yeah, they did. And going forward from here, I can see this being a huge problem. And he probably capitalized on the spotlight whenever it, it could be the biggest for him after winning a championship with a team that most people would say isn't the most talented. But looking back at it now, the, the team was very talented at the time. Um so I don't see him being that big free agency draw like he was this past summer. If he ever becomes that, well, gets that big look again. Uh, agreed. Uh, so moving it to somebody who actually is fully performing uh, and more of an overworker, James Harden is averaging 49 points. Sorry. James Harden is averaging 39 points, almost a full 40 points this season. He has been working overtime. Now, there's plenty of discussions of who else has uh, the hold on the MVP race as LeBron is uh, leading the league in assists with 11. And you have Giannis actually hitting threes and hitting it at 33%. So, uh with their being very big standout players in front of you, who has the best upside and who do you think actually makes the best MVP? The best MVP or the best case for MVP? Yeah, the, sorry, the best case for MVP. Right now, um, it's really hard to say. I think all three of them have a really good case. But, I mean, James Harden is just doing something that hasn't been done in a long time. Somebody that's averaging almost 40 points a game, that's that's ridiculous. And his team is winning. They're only one game behind the Lakers. So, it's they're nip and tuck. Um, even though we might kill him in the playoffs later on, you can't deny him that shine for MVP going forward in the season. And when you kind of look at it, I'm not going to say he is just like LeBron, but over the past three to four seasons, he's always been in the MVP conversation and you can't deny him that Um, LeBron, I I guess he's doing what he usually does. um, And he's already won four or five MVPs. So they're going to give it to the other person over LeBron at this point, I think. And when it comes to Giannis, of course, yeah, he's doing great. I think their team is averaging the most points per game. Um, And he looks like he could go back to back with MVPs. And I think people want to put him on that level as the next heir to the, to um, LeBron James as that player that they want to circulate all the news around 24 seven, but I'm not sure if he's ready for that yet. Um, 
But I would say LeBron has the least chance of winning the MVP because he's already won so many, and these other players are putting up monster numbers. I have more of an opposite uh, answer to that because I I like all three players. I really do. I like all three. But I think this one is LeBron's to lose. I think he begun his campaign for MVP when he posted the Wash King, when he, he was put, putting back-to-back tr- uh, triple doubles and league history uh, assists this year that he's campaigning that, oh, y'all thought I'm washed up. Out of nowhere, y'all just thought I'm, I don't have the crown. So I think if he's anywhere near in the race, he's going to get it. LeBron, I, I'm pretty sure, only has four MVPs of the league, as most people would think he should have at least eight in a 16, sorry, a 17 uh, career season. So uh, in career having 17 seasons. So having only four where he completely dominated the 2010s, uh, it seems like it's too little. So now people aren't afraid. Well, the voters aren't afraid to crown LeBron again if he simply shows up and he performs the entire year. So you're saying it's all about what he said. That's why he is going to be the MVP. I think he knows how to campaign. So it's all about I, I, what he said then. No, no, it's not definitely not all about what he said because he actually has to perform. He has to actually get better in some form. So if he gets better at whatever stat, like if he keeps level at the other stats, like points and blocks and rebounds, if he keeps that level and he bumps up any other level, like assists, like he's done, like he's overwhelmingly uh, went more assists than he averages normally. I think he averages somewhere between seven to eight for his career. Uh, I think that that is pushing him over the edge because it shows how much he's a facilitator and how much he works this chemistry of this team. He's now being a point guard. Well, that's what people wanted him to be in the first place when he, when he came to the Lakers because we knew that he was on the back end of his career. So he should defer to whatever other superstar that he has and feed all the offense through them. So, um, I don't know. I, I still think he is the least favorite. I mean, the media might say otherwise, but I think he's the least favorite when it comes to the MVP race. Um, like, like, like you said, he he might have or should have been or should have had more MVPs, but all these other players have put up great numbers. I, I say the last time that he probably should have had the MVP was the year that Kevin Durant got the MVP. That, uh, I think that was the last time that he absolutely probably should have got it. But other no. than that, there's been other players who have put up better seasons in those same seasons that they got the MVP over LeBron. If you look back, uh, like, for example, the year, like any one of the Cavs years, like the second trial, the second, second uh, time around, he should have got one of those. Any one of those, any one of those three years, he could have got it. So you mean the the ones where Steph Curry won? I would say, I would say either the first one or the. I would say it's either one. Like I, I, I kind of any one of the three years, 
did he won uh, in those years? He he could have gotten. And also, not to get too far off track, and you're probably going to fully disagree on this one, but the Derrick Rose year, if you look at the stats, they don't even compare. They People wanted to give uh, Derrick Rose the um, MVP that year because it was such a growth thing he did and such amazing things he did that year. But when it came to actual stats, LeBron had him uh, killed on that in that year. But, but when it comes to the team wins, Derrick Rose had a better record than LeBron in that season. They were the number one overall seed in the East while LeBron was over there. And Derrick Rose didn't have any other superstars on his team. So I would say he deserved that one. Eh, it's tomato, tomato. I'm not even – I really don't – <laughs> Come on now. Give, give him no, his credit. Oh, only because I'm not rooting heavily against uh, Derrick Rose. Like, I'm not it, – it's no need to go deeper into that one. And I, it actually got me off my point because I uh, I would say – I wanted to say that people are not impressed by James Harden scoring a, a lot of points anymore. Not at all. Like, it, it seems like it does not matter how many points he scores on an average in the season that people are no longer impressed, just like with Russell Westbrook averaging triple doubles each year. Nobody's impressed anymore. So I, that's why I think he's the least one in the uh, MVP race. Now, Giannis, Giannis developed a whole new skill. He out here hitting three threes uh, a game out here so, and attempting four. Well, I, sorry, not really hitting three, but he's at hitting 30, his threes at 33%. So you can't sit back and wait for him to drive because he's hitting open threes. And you you can't block it up when he does drive down the lane because he has players around him, him who can actually shoot, which is the way his team is built. So it's a lose-lose situation. He's developed a whole new skill. So you're saying that James Harden – Everybody's not impressed by the points that he's putting up. But what different thing is LeBron doing? I know he might be averaging a little bit more assists, but what what different thing is he doing that puts him bigger or puts him at a higher spot than James Harden? That was my original point. My original point is he's campaigning. He knows how to campaign. It is partly his uh, his his due on the uh on the court and what he has uh, went up is like I said, the assist by almost three, three to four, he's averaging more than he ever did in his career. And, uh, and which means it's more, the assist is more about his control on the game, like how much he's influencing their success. Cause that's what the assists are really valued at. Now the campaigning part is his watch King, his, his putting uh, certain things up on social media he knows how to campaign, and that may get him the MVP over somebody who's developed a new skill or somebody who's averaging 40 to 45 points a, a season because he knows how to campaign. So it's all about if somebody says something enough times they think it's true. That's, no, because, that's really what it is. No, because he's actually saying the anti thing by saying Watch King, and he only put it up once. It's because people actually said this because he said he, they were washed up. He was washed up. He's only responding to the people who were saying he was washed up. Uh, he, uh, by doing that, he is saying anti that. Like he's saying, yeah, yeah, I'm washed up. Now imagine if I was more than not uh, washed up then. Oh, well, look at this washed up person and have a triple double. Look at this washed up person have this much control. Look at this washed up person average exactly what he averaged before plus more on another stat. 
that's the campaigning. So the reason why he is the at the forefront is because there were so many doubters and now he's trying to prove them wrong. So so that's why I, he should be the MVP. I would say if he did this in year 10, year 12, year 13, year 14, nobody's impressed. Like it's just oh LeBron just reached another level. Like they they're impressed because he's LeBron and he's doing amazing things, but they're not going to be overly uh, wound by over these other candidates, the one that's averaging 40 to 45 points, or the person who's coming out here and averaging like 35, 38, uh, 38 and doing all these other things, like Giannis, they, they would value him over him, and they would, but this is not that year. This is a different, he's setting it up a certain way, and it's not all about what he said, it's because he's proven it on the court that he can say it. Well, it's, it's still to me that it's mainly what he's saying. Of course, his his play definitely backs that up. But what he's saying is putting him over the top, really. But we can move on from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what the whole thing about campaigning. Campaigning is showing everything that you're doing. That's, that's all my whole point was. But um, moving it to the NFL and actually more about the campaign and the, the MVP race. And the NFL, it seems like we have a, a very big front runner in all of this. Uh, as we were looking at the game on Sunday with the Ravens versus the Texans. Now, this is a matchup of two of the top duo quarterbacks, ones who run well and throw well, Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. Now, most people are wanting to know who is the best unstoppable quarterback. After a Beat down by the Ravens, Ravens 41 to 7. The Deshaun and the Texans went home extreme losers, and Deshaun Watson suffered his worst loss in a season, a NFL game. So, is Lamar Jackson the most must see player in the NFL? Yeah, I, well, I would say he's one of the ones that you would definitely have to watch because he definitely has amazing runs. He has the elusiveness to escape um, tacklers that might try to take his head off. And he, he makes impressive plays just about every, every snap. And I, I really have to credit the, the way the, the Ravens centered everything around him, because this is not the same offense that they did with Joe Flacco. Like, they completely changed their offense. They're based around the running game and throwing to the tight ends and sometimes to the wide receivers. And also trying to give him running lanes on design runs. So I, that they play a big part in this also. Um, but Lamar Jackson, he's definitely proving all the doubters wrong that he is a great quarterback and he can succeed in the NFL as a mobile quarterback. Um but I would say that he still is not the overwhelming favorite in the MVP race. Um, my MVP would still be Russell Wilson. He did just take down a 8-0 49ers team at their place. So let's not forget that. But Lamar Jackson, he's definitely doing great. He should definitely be in the MVP race, but he's still number two. Yeah, well... I say to see, I would say he's the most, to answer the question, he is the most must-see player in the NFL. 
Uh, I know Patrick, just a year ago we would say that was Patrick Mahomes, but we didn't think that Lamar Jackson could do what he did in college in the NFL, and he's doing it even better than he did it in college. He is throwing dime passes. He is making entire teams look stupid. Like it is, it's, it's amazing how much control he has when it comes to running and knowing exactly where every player is. He is breaking. Uh, like I, I'm sorry, I should have led with this. This man literally broke somebody's ankles on Sunday. Literally broke somebody's ankles. They were on the ground after a large 40-something, uh, I think it was 46 yards, run and made many, many players fall and run into each other. And one dude literally broke his ankle. So I would say, yes, he is the most musty player in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he is definitely. He, he creates highlights. He is very elusive. Doesn't take many big hits. Um, he's definitely making better decisions this year than he did last year as a rookie, as you would expect. Um, but I, I would say if anybody's able to stop their running game, then uh, not including him, like they could, they could stop the running game just like the running backs. Then I, I think he would struggle. Like it, if there's anybody who can stop the running game, I'm not sure if they can, but they do have to play the 49ers and, I definitely want to watch that game. Yeah, they have the number one rushing uh, offense in the league. They are top of the scoring scoring in the league. So yeah, it's 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 really great for the Ravens right now. So, but how much of Lamar Jackson's success it depended on his running ability? I would say a, a good amount of it, at least half, because the threat of of him running from the pocket. Teams have to game plan around that. And I would say teams have not been able to successfully combat that. He's he's making very good runs, being very elusive. Um, people aren't able to get a good hand on him. And they are winning multiple games. Really, looking back at it, I don't see how the Browns were able to beat them. Um, <laughs> just looking at what the Browns are now. At, at Baltimore, so that's that's very surprising. But um, I would say the running that he does it definitely keeps everybody's head on the swivel, and that opens up other other lanes for people to get wide open because that draws in players that might think, oh well, let me um run up to tackle him, and he just throws it over your head. So that the running attack that Lamar Jackson offers that plays a huge part in it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say a huge part. I say if I had to give it a percentage, it's about 25%. And what? I'm going to give you the, yeah, 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 yeah. I know it sounds, sounds strange, but I'm going to give you the stats. Now this, uh, in this game against the Texans, he was 17 for 24 on attempts. He had 222 yards passing and four throwing touchdowns. So I can't put it all on his feet. I think. But only 25%? Yeah, he threw for 200 yards. Because because the question is how much of his 
uh, success is dependent on his running ability. I don't think it's all dependent. I don't think it's 50-50 because if you take away 50, he is not a good enough quarterback in the NFL. If he only has that last, like if he does not have running ability in that scenario where it's 50-50, he's not good enough to be in the NFL. I think even without his running ability, he is good enough to be above average uh, NFL player. I think 50% is average. I think 75 is above average. And because of the stats, it, it I and just simply this, just this year out of 11 games, he has 2,258 yards, 19 throwing touchdowns, only five interceptions, and he averages a quarterback uh, rating of 106.3. So all you're basing this on is just numbers. The threat of his run, that makes teams think twice. Agreed. So that, that definitely plays a huge part in why he's successful and what he's doing. It opens up other pathways to pe- for people to get open. The, the threat of that run does a lot for him. And we see that in the showcase when it comes to highlight plays. That's why he is the, the most must-see player in the NFL right now. Well, he get out of difficult situations. So, well, I, it, no, they do design runs. They do, they do. But I'm just saying, some of those times he he should not be running, but he just makes loads of people look stupid. Like there, he's cornered in, and then he jukes them all. Uh, or there's one person in front of him, he jukes that person. He runs a little bit, outruns two other people, make them running to each other. Then he spins and make three other people running to each other. He gets out of very difficult situations where people should be tackled completely. So, yeah, I, I can agree on the running ability. But we're talking about how much of his success is dependent on that. I think 25% of him being able to throw is that. Now, without it, I think he still is... Uh, let me compare him to a certain quarter. I think he could be. Uh, I think he could be Aaron Rodgers without uh, running ability. <laughs> that that's blasphemous. That no, he he's not Aaron Rodgers without his running ability. He throws dimes because of the threat of the run. I'm, okay. I'm not saying that he can't pass, but the threat of the run. It extends drives, he gets first downs, and it opens up other pathways for people to get open. That it, The running ability plays a huge part in that. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, we don't have to, because that's subjective. But we move on to the Vikings, which played against the Broncos, and we're down a great bit in the fourth quarter. Now the Vikings uh, go into the fourth quarter down 23 to seven to the Broncos getting the Vikings. Uh, now a big comeback comes when the fourth quarter hits the Vikings come back to win the game, getting the Vikings to eight and three through 11 games. Uh, a lot has changed since the Vikings were two and two in the start of the season. And, since Stefan Diggs called out quarterback Kirk Cousins for not having good passes coming his way. Now, Kirk Cousins has now put up stat lines. Well, his stat line on Sunday was uh, he, he was 29 for 35. He had 319 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions. 
And for the year, he has 2,756 yards, 21 touchdowns, and only three interceptions with a 114 quarterback rating. And just to compare to a quarterback we were just discussing, Lamar Jackson, who's been extremely impressive, he has 500 more yards passing than Lamar Jackson. He has three more passing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson, and he has two less interceptions than Lamar Jackson with at least eight more percentage on his quarterback rating. So just to kind of round it in, should Kirk Cousins be at the top of the NFL MVP race or will his stats come a little more down to earth with the rest of the season? I say not one bit. He should not be in the race for league MVP because the success that they've had running the ball has set him up to pass the ball over people's heads because Stefan Diggs, he's a burner. He can go straight off of, he can get over the top on defenses and take it all the way to the end zone. Um, I would say Dalvin Cook, he didn't have particularly too well of a game this past game against the Broncos. But um, the threat of that run, like I was saying with Lamar Jackson, Dalvin Cook, he's one of the leading rushers in the NFL this season. Um, so if if the Vikings don't have that run game going, I would say Kirk Cousins, he mostly folds under pressure. I mean, I, I like Kirk Cousins. I even said begin, at the beginning of the season that I would like to see what they were going to do this season, you know, with Thielen and Diggs. But he's not in, in the MVP conversation. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, the Vikings, they will do good. They will make the playoffs. Um, but Kirk Cousins, no, he should not be in the MVP race. <laughs> well, uh, I, I completely agree. Uh, like, I think it's more perception, but... By looking at the numbers, you would say he's supposed to, but nobody's checking for him at all. Um, it is impressive that he has put up only uh, three interceptions and has 21 touchdowns and so many yards. Um, that is impressive because nobody really had much hope for him after the bad start to the season. Uh, we kind of felt that the Vikings were awash. Um so, uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree, even though the stats would say different, he should not be in the MVP race because this is also about showmanship. Um, and like you said, it has set it up through the run uh, with the Vikings. But uh, just to move it along, uh, who do you have more confidence in in the NFC, the Vikings or the Seahawks? I definitely have more confidence in the Seahawks. They have a Super Bowl running quarterback in Russell Wilson and an MVP caliber um, quarterback. I know he didn't have the best game against the 49ers, but he pulled it out. Um, Russell Wilson has been very clutch in situations. I think he's had the most game-winning drives this season because their defense gives up a lot of points and a lot of yards, but he comes through. Um, and I would say Kirk Cousins, I really can't remember one time that he's ever come through at the end of the game and come up clutch. You know what? Let me take that back. 
He did against the Broncos, but they're only like a three-win <laughs> team. They don't know how to win. But uh, other than that, I, I don't see – no, no, Kirk Cousins, he it's, – it's hard to say because I do like him, but he has not been that clutch. He, he, he does not come through in the clutch, and he, he folds under pressure many times. And Russell Wilson, he has been very clutch over his career. So I'm going to side on Russell Wilson's side in this situation. Okay. Uh, just to make it short, I, I have more confidence in the Seahawks also. Um, and I, just to kind of move it quicker because we're getting to the questions and this is the last subject. Uh, now, the Panthers have lost three of their last four games, losing Sunday 29-3 to three, uh, to then 2-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons. So is it about time to reopen the Cam Newton era in the Carolinas? I never thought it should have left. See, I, I I knew that Kyle Allen wasn't anything special. He was just having uh, the run game being so successful. And Christian McCaffrey, he still has been doing very good. But Kyle Allen, he's just made more mistakes. I mean, he, he made poor decisions in that game against the Allen Falcons. So I, I would say that Cam Newton... He should have never been in consideration for being traded, but they might have already dug themselves too deep, and he might ask for a trade anyway. I can agree. They definitely need to open, reopen that, that chapter. Um, yeah, they, they just have to really open that chapter again. And if they're smart, he would have more than a, more than a year and a half out of football. And maybe he could stack out on a little weight and get back to football shape because I think going vegan kind of hurt him uh, when it came to size in NFL. It, it helped him in, like, uh, looking skinny and looking a certain way for being an icon outside <laughs> of football, yeah. But selling handkerchiefs and stuff like that, I don't know. He, he'd do a couple things. Hats, sorry, it was hats. Uh, his, he sells hats. Um, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, they definitely need to reopen it or at least get something really, really great for it because they're going to have to also get another quarterback. Yeah, they, they should have never even considered it. Kyle Allen, he looked good in a couple of games, but other than that, he's been nothing special. It's all been run through Christian McCaffrey, and if you think Christian McCaffrey is going to have an MVP season like this every season after taking all those hits, they are sorely mistaken. I'll say they run it back again, especially since Drew Brees is getting older. And if they win the Super Bowl this year, I'm sure he will retire right there. Um, so I say you run it back again because with a great defense and a great running back, all you need is a great quarterback, and you have one who has won the MVP of the league before. So try it out again because he's gotten about two years rest. Yes, I would have to agree. Yeah, okay. So we ended off there, and we're going to give you a whole lot of the highlights of the upcoming stories. You know, each week is packed full of great news of fights, uh, arguments, and many different things that leak into the real world outside of sports. Um, but here's the last part where we do our trivia. Uh, it is going to be three questions, pretty quick. Uh, your guess is about as good as mine. Mohammed comes up with the questions. I try to give you some commentary on it if I know about the subjects. So we're going to go ahead and begin with the first question. Go ahead, Mohammed. 
What is the oldest NFL franchise in continuous operation with the same name in the same location? A, Green Bay Packers, B, Chicago Bears, or C, Cleveland Browns? Wow. Now, I can pretty sure I can count one of them out because I kind of know the story about them. I'm not going to really tell you which one just yet to count out any, but um, this is a pretty good question. I like it. Uh, repeat it again for the question and answer. What is the oldest NFL franchise in continuous operation with the same name in the same location? A, Green Bay Packers, B, Chicago Bears, or C, Cleveland Browns? Well, this is more like a 50-50 for me because I'm pretty sure the Cleveland Browns used to be the uh, the Colts at some point, or they were the uh, – no, that was the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, who is who became the Colts? Uh, actually, never mind. <laughs> it was the Colts. I thought, okay. So, um, so I'm I'm counting out the Browns. I'm pretty sure they they their team got moved there and it was a different name. Um, I think it's the Green Bay Packers. I'm not. It's not my official answer yet, but I think it's the Green Bay Packers because they're owned by uh, the not by the state, but more privately owned. So, hmm. yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and st- uh, jump out there. It's the Packers. That is correct. Wow. Yeah, perfect. So go ahead with the second question. Who was the first professional quarterback to pass for 5,000 yards in a season? A, Tom Brady, B, Warren Moon, or C, Drew Brees? Man, this is hard. I don't know their stats like that. I know Warren Moon was really great, um, but that's like – it just sticks out, and maybe you're trying to trick me. But sometimes I overthink these things. Uh, so one more time with the question and answer, and I'm going to try to guess this one. Who was the first professional quarterback to pass for 5,000 yards in a season? A, Tom Brady, B, Warren Moon, or C, Drew Brees? Uh I'm going to say Drew Brees, because I don't think back then they threw that that much. That is wrong. It's actually Warren Moon. Ah, oh, I knew it. I overthought it. <laughs> I overthought it. No matter what I said, I overthought it. Because, yeah. <laughs> Who was the first player in NFL history to pass for 400 yards, throw four touchdown passes, and rush for 50 yards in a single game? A, Michael Vick. B, Lamar Jackson, or C, Deshaun Watson? Oh, this is actually easy. I think. Uh, one last quick time for the question and answer. Who was the first player in NFL history to pass for 400 yards, throw four touchdown passes, and rush for 50 yards in a single game? A, Michael Vick. B, Lamar Jackson, or C, Deshaun Watson? Now, this is more like a old versus new. Did they really hit those marks or whether? Watch how it can be completely off on this one, but I'm going to choose Michael Vick. That is wrong. 
It is Deshaun Watson. Oh, and that's the I was thinking that's the most I answer, and I would have pitched that one last out of all. But watch that be the answer. <laughs> but like <laughs> <laughs> I overthink these things. But uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna join you next week uh, and give you all the best uh, sports and the the crazy stories surrounding it. And this has been so you think you know sports. See you next week.